Welcome to the Primal Foundations Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Pascola. We will dive into what I believe are the four central foundations you need for a healthy lifestyle. Strength, nutrition, movement, and recovery. Get ready to unlock your path to optimal health and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Primal Foundations Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Pascola. Today we have Sam Gonzalez. Sam is a strong first level two kettlebell instructor and barbell instructor, and he also works at Tighten Up Fitness in Jacksonville, Florida. Sam works with clients in person and virtually to help them meet their fitness goals. Sam, welcome to the Primal Foundations podcast. What's up, Tony? How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. We we go way back. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I heard you uh, on Nikki Jorgensen's uh, podcast that she put out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, what a small world. And that just got me thinking a lot about, man, I'm going to talk to this guy. And it's been, it's been about 10 years almost. Yeah, 10, yeah. 10 years. Um, and for those that don't know or didn't listen to the podcast with me and Nikki, uh, we talked about Monkey Bar Gym Chicago and my first introduction to kettlebells and really like functional training. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that gym and kind of uh, yeah. toolage underneath John Hines a little bit? Absolutely. So um, at that time, I was a personal trainer for one year. So I have a business background and I wasn't working for a supply chain company for many years for my transformation and before I became a trainer. And coming from like a background of like martial arts and stuff like that, when you get certified, you basically go into like that very prototypical mold of essentially like amateur bodybuilding, right? You got split days and you're doing chest, you're doing legs on one day, whatever, right? But when I was when I was able to kind of book my roster with clients, there was always, always this constant thing that was like, either they weren't super big fans of training that way. And because of my athletic background, I wasn't really a big fan of training that way, but I didn't know anything else, right? Since this early 2000s. So I wasn't too sure like that there were alternatives, right? So YouTube was just kind of in its infancy back then too. So there wasn't really anything to look. So one day I come home and my my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she says to me, she's like, hey, I uh, recorded this thing about, I saw on WGN News, about this gym over in the South Loop and it looked really cool. And there they are, they're doing the battling ropes and they're crawling and they're using kettlebells, which I was always super intrigued of before I even started that journey. And they're doing really cool bodyweight stuff. And I'm like, I think this is the place I've been looking for. So I went to their open house and John kind of saw me, you know, had some, had some muscles on me. He's like, you work out. I'm like, yeah, I'm checking everything out. And uh, he's like, well, can you do pull-ups? I'm like, yeah, I do pull-ups pretty well. But then I had no mobility. I had no capacity to move. So I went from a desk job to becoming a meathead. So I was super stiff. And I remember I could barely lift my arms above my head. And he goes, oh my gosh, you can't even put your arms up there. Yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta switch things up. And at first I was like, this guy's kind of like talking crap to me because I didn't really know who John was. Um, and so I joined as a member and then I found it. And I was like, this is the way I want to be able to do stuff. There's a combination of natural movements, um, teaching me kettlebells, which I always wanted to learn, but wasn't too sure how to go about it. And it was just unconventional. And ever since that time, um, I've been going unconventional for a large part of my training to keep my own personal training. And then I bring certain elements of that unconventional style to my clients. Yeah. 
same, almost the same story for me. I think I, I remember I was in my little small apartment. I had just graduated college. I was teaching first year teacher. And I was like, I need something new. Cause like the same thing you, um, meathead, I'm, I'm hitting the bench. I'm doing my squats. I'm just hanging out in the gym. Nothing really, you know, it's kind of bland. It was vanilla. It, what it was. Yeah. And then I saw kettlebells and it's almost the exact same thing. I, Googled uh, kettlebells Chicago and the WGN clip came up on uh, Google and I looked, I was like, whoa, that looks super cool. Um, but yeah, just like you, I went in there and I just, uh, everybody, it's a re- really cool vibe, but everybody there, I would say there had to be like 10 people that started at members and then became like CNT certified natural trainers. Yeah, and it absolutely. Was just, yeah. It was just such a cool gym and just to be barefoot. I, I train barefoot all the time. Now I don't know about you, Me but too. yeah, Me I train barefoot all the time. And even when I coach my classes, I'm barefoot and I, that's the only way I can train. But I remember, Oh my God, these people don't even have shoes on. Like, yeah. This is really weird. This is very weird. Yeah, well, when you come from like the martial arts background, you're used to people walking around with no shoes on anyways, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's not just for, you know, a lot of people think it's almost like novelty and it's not, there's a lot of functionality and there's a lot of science behind it. Um, You know, I would say like, think about how many nerves you have in your hand, you basically have the same amount on your feet. So think about how much sensory feedback you get with your feet. And then when you put it that way, people are like, oh, I thought you were just kind of being silly. It's like, why would I be silly by taking off my shoes? Like that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, the whole experience was really unique. Um, you know, it was a lot about community. That's when I learned how important community is too. Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping people motivated and staying towards their goals. You know, and I took those lessons with me when I started off on my own after that gym closed. Okay. I, I want to talk about just a little bit before Monkey Bar. So around over just over 10 years ago you went through your own transformation where yeah. were you at physically and mentally and, and what made you make a change so as i mentioned um i graduated with business and i already was working at a um, logistics broker it's like a fortune 300 company it's the largest third person third party uh, transportation company in the world and i was doing brokerage there sales essentially um, and you know, like I did fairly well for a 22 year old kid, like, you know, once again, it's the early two thousands, you know, I'm making six figures. I don't have any debt. I was doing really great, but I also got caught up like in this weird, like persona where it was definitely a lot of partying. Um, and since I had, did have an athletic background, I think I kind of took it for granted. And then I went to the gym but I did like bench, lap pull downs, and like walked on a treadmill. Like it was bullshit, you know, in retrospect, it was bullshit. But I would be super sore because I didn't know what I was doing back then. So I'm like, okay, this is what it is. And you know, a lot of guys go through that experience. Like, you know, you had to earn your 225 plates, man. That's the most important thing in the gym to do, you know? Um, so one day we took a Christmas picture and I'm standing in front of the tree and um, we saw the picture and I'm like, who the F is that guy? And that was when I was like, geez Louise, I, you know, I had a big beer belly from beer and Wendy's all the time and burgers, you know, and burritos at 4 a.m. Um, and I was just about to turn 30. So I went to the doctor and he's like, you know, you have uh, hypertension, like almost high, high blood pressure, right? 
I'm like, what the hell? I'm not even 30 years old. And this all kind of coincided. And then my job, I, you know, I was getting pretty great money, but I didn't really find anything out of it. I just kind of fell into it. And then you get enticed by money. And then that's a motivation for you. Um, but then the 2008 economic crisis hits, right? And a lot of my businesses went under, like a lot of businesses did. So the money wasn't even there anymore now. You know, this, everyone's struggling. There was massive layoffs. I didn't get laid off, but, you know, a lot of people did. And I'm like, I think this is the opportunity for me regarding my health and the fact that I don't want to be doing this job in 10 years. And I just found out that even if you're doing your job pretty darn well, you could still be let go at any time. Um, so I had a wake-up call there. I had a wake-up call about my health and coincide, like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um so I focus on. I started focus on improving myself. I wasn't super happy with myself, and I needed a change. So I focused on my health, and I really invested into it. I even got a trainer, and you know, in retrospect, he was a shitty trainer, but he helped me. He definitely like got me going, and he pushed me, and he taught me some new stuff, whatever. But um, I'll say that guy Brian, uh, he was an inspiration to me in the ways that, like I asked him a question, like, "Well, how did you become a trainer?" And go through the process, and he told me like a lot of positive things in regards to like built starting my career. That's and for those that haven't seen the picture, I I remember because I remember getting like an email or something at Monkey Bar. It's like the that Christmas picture that you had. Mm -hmm. And then the, right next to it, you look like a Greek god shredded. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that picture. Um and yes, you can send me that. I can put it up so people can see it. But like <laughs> the transformation from that one picture that and it's so funny. You just remember like that Christmas picture to where you like ended up, you know, you you, you looked great in the picture. You're saying you're you've been training at Monkey Bar. You're doing all these things. You, you've taken control of your life um, yeah. as you got to that point. What made you? continue on that path of unconventional training and, and what what actually made you stick with this process well first and foremost first and foremost it's actually really fucking fun mm -hmm. it's really fun to move around in different patterns um that are non-traditional don't get me wrong like i'm a sean first barbell instructor i love barbell stuff but i can't do barbell all the time because quite frankly it takes its toll on me you know, there's so much tension I have to create um, to lift the loads that I'm lifting. You know, I'm about, just about 200 pounds, so I do more than the required resistances. I just get really stiff. Um, but the unconventional stuff makes me move in a whole bunch of different ways, right? So I can twist and I can turn. Um, you know, I'm not a big, like, um, kettlebell flow guy, but I do, like, bodyweight movements in that kind of manner. And I do use maces and clubs to kind of compensate for that stuff. So rotational movements and things like that. But it was fun. But once again, I always kind of go back into like what's kind of programmed into my brain. And it's essentially like if you've considered things as a practice versus I'm going to give all effort out right now. And I'm going to try to deplete myself or, you know, that whole hardcore mentality all the time versus you're going through a system of skill refinement. I'm always just trying to make the skill sharper. It keeps your brain very like ingrained in the process. And then you still have stuff to strive for because, you know, perfection is, you can't attain perfection. And if you do, 
or at least you consider yourself that you do, you can always bump it up into something else. A swing becomes a single arm swing. A single arm swing becomes a snatch. A snatch becomes a split snatch. You know, and if you really want to own it, you got to make the hard stuff look really easy. So, you know, if you're like, well, I'm a badass and you you single arm swing, you know, 24, it's like, okay, well, have you ever tried a 36? Can you do the same? Can you perform the same way? Um, And that's what keeps me interested. And that's what I try to instill in my clients. Let's not think about this as like, we're just going to crush ourselves. That time will come. But let's refer, focus on practice and refinement and skill development. And what they find is that they're a lot more interested or motivated to get in there. So they're not dreading it and they're like, oh, I'm going to get nauseated. They're like, I'm going to practice. So it's like, you know, you're practicing an instrument or you're practicing dance moves or something like that. They kind of fall into it. They get into a groove. And before you know it, you know, the workout, which... Honestly, I only really do at the most maybe 30 minute workouts. My workouts are between 20 and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might seem crazy, but I train uh, six or seven times a week and I'm doing pretty good, feel pretty good. And my clients have the same results. So the idea of having it be fun and w- focusing it as a uh, an idea of skill refinement versus just like effort, that keeps me coming back. And that's what intrigued me. And that's what helped me branch out into other things that I kind of saw in the landscape of unconventional training. And kettlebells are unconventional still, mm-hmm. you know, compared to what the typical stuff you see in the gym, machines, barbells, all that pulleys, that stuff's all great. But to a lot of people, kettlebell training is super foreign still, although, you know, you can find them in even a comfort and, you know, workout room. Yeah. You see them in the corner and they only, you look at, oh, they got kettlebells and you go up there and it's just like... <laughs> Eight pounds, you know, yeah, like, what, is this okay, the doorstop? Well, yeah. Yeah, right. So, you know, they're ubiquitous everywhere, but in the matter, like, I'm trained in them and you're trained in them, um, you know, you want if you're going to use them, you want to use them effectively. Yeah, and just the, the whole, the aspect, and I had Brett Jones on too, and he just talks about, like, the skill, the practice. This is a very long game. Um, yeah. People, there's certain people that, spend their whole entire life focusing on, you know, barbell squat, the deadlift, the bench press, and that's all they do. And some people look at training like for see our training program. It's very, mine's very simple. I just got back into barbell over like after monkey bar, I really didn't touch a barbell for a very long time. And I wanted to get my SFL with strong first, one for myself to, to mix it up, but also for clients, if I'm training clients, I want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. I really love using the barbell and I'll go through phases of I'm, I'm Zercher squat. I'm, you know, front squats and I can only do a front squat, um, either zombie or into that. Yeah. The bodybuilder front squats. I can't do, I can't do that either. I, I don't have the range of motion, but it's crazy because certain gyms will program front squats and I would say 80%, if not more, cannot get into that front rack position. And they see that and it's like, whoa, you know, that's just really, really tough on the body. I know I can't even do it and I, and I know where to get, go. My body just won't go there, yeah. but it's just the, 
It is a little bit boring, quote unquote, but it's not because I'm working on my skill continuously and I get to do these other things in between. I can, I just started doing double bell work, just got back into it. I'm like, oh man, I haven't done this in a while. Double front squat, you know, double presses, complexes. There's so much to do with it, but it's just working and working and having fun with it and being okay with taking a step back sometimes too. I yes. know I know that's one thing I try to push recovery a lot. Is that something you see a lot with either clients or in that group setting of getting people to take ample recovery in between sets or just in between workouts in general? Yeah. I mean, these are the problems that coaches who are in the, you know, individual coaching space or even a group class, especially because there's, there's a certain tempo because it's an hour class, right? So you have to maintain some kind of tempoing. Um, but the joke I always make, I always say to guys is, Hey, remember this is strength and conditioning, not conditioning and conditioning. Um, but you know, I'd like to say, and I still will say that it's not their fault for not understanding exercise because I mean, let's put it this way. And you, I know you've heard this before. People still be, believe in spot reduction. Like if I do sit-ups, I will lose my belly fat. Or if I did tricep extensions, I'll lose my, you know, my grandma arm. People still believe that. People still believe that a pound of muscle is heavier than a pound of fat. I'm like, no, there's both a pound. So I just had that conversation two days ago and I literally blew the person's mind. I'm like, a pound of feathers is the same as a pound of steel. And she's like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is, right? But the densities. So we still we have to break all these old school habits. So like I said, I used to say it's not their fault, but we have the internet now. Come on, man. You can find anything out. Ask that question. But some people don't even know what question to ask. So that's us to us as trainers to be that source of information and give them the alternatives that they need to, you know, kind of succeed. Um, when we're trying to get them to slow down a little bit, you know, in a group environment, this is pseudo competitive, right? Um, and that's great because that does help people get out of their uh, boundaries. But I think people just think that more is more or more is better, excuse me, when in reality, only better is better, right? I'm only going to get better at things if I do them better. So like you can look at pull-ups, for example. I did 21 pull-ups. I raised my eyebrow really fast, right? Because at Monkey Bar... It took me over a year to get 25 clean pull-ups in a row without coming off the bar. And I practiced a shit ton. And I was also about 20 pounds lighter then. Um, and people are claiming that. I'm like, no, they're not. And what do you see? You see the flailing legs. You see just the protrusion of the neck. You don't see full range of motion. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I can be an asshole and critique you on that. But like, I could just say, honestly, you probably got about seven really good ones. And after that, that's about it, right? So people are always ask me, how do you get better at stuff? It's not that you do more of it. It's that you get really, really good at it. And that, those principles are, they're old principles. So if you like go back and you read some of those, you know, John was really big. John Hines, monkey bar guy, founder, owner. John was really big on the old time strongman stuff. And Shawfers is really big on that stuff too. And if you go read these books about these guys, I mean, their manuals are probably better written in like 1900 are better than 99.5 of the stuff you see on Instagram and the fucking internet. Why? Cause they're simple. They're practice-based, they're strength-based. 
And then they have things like Hindu squats and push-ups for hypertrophy and just like burning initial yeah. out of your muscles, but they're mostly just doing super heavy lifts. And that idea of like, if you can get really good at it, you can do amazing things. And that was one thing I learned from John by, you know, when we used to do like things like levers and muscle ups and we would like flip over the bars and shit like that. That's all skill training. And I think that if people took the approach of working out out of the equation, and what is working out? To me, working out means like I worked it out, like ugh, I exhausted it. You know, I put it out of work. Um, versus let me give as much as I can give today. And then if I can repeat the same process multiple times a week versus being shattered to a million pieces because I destroyed myself, I'm getting more practice in now. And I'm going to be better. And then I'll actually get the result that I want. But I'm telling myself I want. I'll get it that way. But, you know, uh, what's the definition of insanity? Keep on doing the same thing with expecting a different outcome. I think people are so trapped in the traditional mindset of what fitness is. um, That more is more. And it's really hard. It's like trying to bake somebody out of the matrix. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Is it sustainable? Is it repeatable? Right. You know, there's, there's, again, like you hit the nail on the head is they're into this uh, idea that more is more. And if two miles and I'm crushed, I should do three and then I'm going to be even more crushed and that's going to pay dividends. Well, you're not going to want to do that every no, day, no. all the time. And it's just, and such you know a that already thing. because you've been through this cycle. So, you know, if you're training mm-hmm. adults, right? If you're the same, like my demographic typically is about 35 to 55 years old. This ain't your first rodeo. You've done Orange Theory. You have done CrossFit. Yeah, I did everything under the sun, you know. And you know that when you go hard, you crash and burn. But do you think that's the only option? And what I try to do on our online platform and then in the person and individual sessions, and even in, quite frankly, anytime I coach, I try to instill that in people. And if you can catch your ear, and get them, I always call it, hit the believe button. You have to hit the believe button. Even when you're doubting what I'm saying is true, just keep on doing it. And then I was like, ah, it ended up being correct. Because now I can do things. And like I said, 35 to 55 years old, you can't smash your body anymore. You know, chances are you've hurt yourself already. Shoulder, neck, knees. Um, and you're kind of ginger. You've been sitting down for 20 years at a desk job. You know, and you think you're athletic because you go play men's league basketball once a week like you're gonna pop your achilles real fast buddy you know but if you can find something that and you're busy right you're super busy so you don't have two hours to go hit the gym you don't even really have time to drive to the gym park in the lot walk upstairs you know wait for the teenage boys who are seven deep on a bench press or get into a class with 45 people where no one's paying attention to your technique and then what happens you tweak your back oh i gotta take today off one day becomes three days. That becomes a week. And before you know it, you're right back where you started from. So what I really like about the principles of unconventional training and the idea of training as a practice versus, you know, kicking yourself in the ass is that there is an element of longevity in there. You know, I want my people, including myself, to be well into my 60s and 70s and just doing a modified version or maybe I'm still doing the same shit which would be amazing because, you know, I feel great right now and I know how to heal myself now and prevent effing myself up now. So hopefully I am doing these things because 
really think about the training that we talk about with like Sean for kettlebell stuff, it is essentially longevity. You know, think about a get up, right? If you can't get off the ground, you're fucked, right? God forbid you fall to the ground and you're old and you can't get off the ground. Who's going to find you a day later or two days later, right? And then what else? Swings. Swings train power and stopping movement, right? And when you fall, you lose that those type two things, right? You lose that power to catch yourself if you're falling. So people think kettlebell is actually hardcore, and it is, but it's you can tweak it into different kinds of forms of the things that you want to do. And that's what I really like teaching people. And that's what keeps me interested as a coach. Because if I'm going to be coaching, you know, I was a one-on-one coach. I was running classes with 20 to 35 people in them. I had a full roster of 12 clients a day. Um, I had to do something that made me look and not just be super scientific, but also kind of be like that martial arts, like what is your style on this? And I have to keep that kept me interested in teaching those elements. Uh, I want to, I want to talk about the coaching piece, but I also, I like that. I believe button. I feel like you remember those staples buttons that you can hit. That, that's exactly what I, I always, I have like one of those and I put uh, it out. That's did you put, yeah, like, I, I believe on it. I'm like, I'm going to use that. I'm going to be like, you know what? Go hit that. I believe button. I feel like I need to get a staples button, but, yeah. um, you're, you're if you have a logo on your shirt. You're like, hit the button, hit the hit button. button. <laughs> I, I believe, um, when I had Nikki on the podcast, she really like gave some just kind words about you and you can tell that you made a difference for her. What, what drew you to the passion of you? We talked about, you know, you made changes for yourself, but now you're in the realm of I've become a trainer. I'm a coach and this is my passion. What made you take that leap into being a, a coach what have you learned along the way and how has it changed from the beginning to now? All right. You might have to remind me of a couple of those, but I know. Yeah. It's a, that's a, uh, that's a long question. <laughs> well, first of all, I love Nikki Jorgensen. I love her so much. Um, she's uh, we've had some nice private moments together and we've celebrated, we've gone through shit together. I love her. And I, I give her lots of things for giving kind words to me as well. But um you know, being a mentor was important to me because number one, I would be nowhere without mine. You know, to be able to train with John for as many hours as I did for free is a thing that I cannot replace. And although, um, you know, I've evolved my style, all that really means is I've changed things a little bit. Um, the where I would be right now if it wasn't for him, right? And then I've known guys who like I was working as a one-on-one trainer over in Lincoln Park, and the guy who run this ran the studio, um, you know, he helped me like in a business mindset, right? So I've had mentors, and I always like when I get the chance, I'm going to do that too. But in order to be a mentor, you have to have some level of success, right? So. I was still figuring out my mojo from like, you know, 2010 to like 2014. That's when I was doing certifications two times a year, going to countless workshops, reading books, watching videos, going to yoga classes, other gyms, and just trying to figure out like, what do I like doing and how am I going to make it mine? 
Um, and then I started working at uh, FFC clubs. Um, so unfortunately the studio that I was at, their lease expired and he wasn't going to be able to renew it anywhere else. And I had a baby on the way, my first daughter. I'm like, Oh my God, like, what the fuck am I going to do? I don't want to go to a corporate gym. Um, Cause I worked at export for my first job, but everyone works at export usually. Well, back then they used to, I, I was the behind the counter guy at the midnight. Yeah. Shows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I started working there and I immediately had success. And why? Because I took that approach that I learned and nobody was doing what I was doing and I know what I'm doing. And then I broadcast myself. I would work out literally in the middle of the gym, swinging clubs, swinging kettlebells, doing sit-throughs, snatching, crawling. You know, people are like, I want to train with you. So that was a great tactic. And I got really successful at that place. So I was a top trainer for every single year that I was there. Um, I founded a group class that had a lot of elements of monkey bar that was called faction that I had in a club of about 2,500 members. I had 110 of those members um, in my faction classes. Saturdays were off the chain, 35 people in a class swinging bells, doing ropes, loud ass hip hop or dance music going on. It was a stat. That was one of the best experiences of my coaching, but I had a lot of success there. And I always wanted to pay it for it. And anytime that somebody came to me and quite frankly at FFC, it was quite a lot of coaches. Um, I said, listen, I'm just a guy who likes swinging kettlebells and I'll teach you what I know. And I'll, I'll inspire you to kind of go and learn some more. And it worked out really well. Everyone who became essentially, you know, apprentice, I guess is the best word to say, or a student of mine, I like to call them students. Um, Ended up being a pretty awesome trainer at those clubs. They usually were one of the top 15 performers consistently. So, you know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a history teacher. I'm a history buff. I love all kinds of history. And my parents were like, no, teachers don't make money. You're going to go into business and you're going to get a corporate job and you're going to stay there till you're 55 and you're going to die and retire or retire and die. You're like, that was like the American Whichever dream. Whichever comes first. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, that's the, that's the American dream, right? And yeah. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, you were good if you had the, the job, you know, at IBM for 45 years. That was what it was. But, you know, I hit that. My generation came out of that transition where you could be entrepreneurial. Or there was other alternatives. Like you don't know any retired personal trainers because this is essentially a new job. Um, but I wanted to be, I wanted to pay that for it. I wanted to make people successful. Um, and I wanted to be a teacher and now I am. So I took the element of me wanting to be a teacher in school and teach kids history. And I said, you know what? I've always wanted to be a teacher. Let me use stuff that I know that I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to pass that on. You know, it's because of the appreciation I have for my mentorship and I've always wanted to do it. And this was my opportunity to. That's, that's like a big, that's really big of you because there's a lot of trainers that just gatekeep the information and let them fail over there. I'm doing my thing. I'm good. I don't have to worry about anybody else, but that relationship you have with John and now you are paying it forward. I had a wrestling coach, um, Coach Bukowski, Hall of Fame wrestling coach. And he used to always tell us, and this is one thing that stu- stuck with me forever. He goes, nobody's bigger than wrestling. And we would just sit there like, well, what about Kale Sanderson? What about this? He said, no, 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 no. Like nobody's bigger than wrestling. You can never give wrestling enough of you 
that it's given back. And so that's the same with like you and strength. Like you can never give this field, this career enough that you've received from it. And I think that's fantastic that you're that type of person that's going to take people under their wing and help them because new trainers, I mean, I was a new trainer at first. I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time. I'm just trying to make it and I'm learning as I go, but it's people like you and people that take the time to like help because they're the books like ACE, um, NASM, all these yeah. things. They, they don't, they don't prep you for any of these things. It's no. really mostly it's connection. Dude, I always, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, always, I always say that certifications are essentially insurance. So mm-hmm. you go to a gym, you're a trainer, you fuck somebody up and they're like, well, he was certified. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they didn't tour That's what I always think about them as. Yes. They are good sources for general knowledge. But frankly, I think that the organizational bodies, they do more good than bad, but they're a racket. Like, why do you have yeah. to get the same certification over? Like, how many times can you really change the squat? Like, I know that there's been a transference of information, like, since, like, the 90s. And there's a lot of education out there. But we live in the age of the internet, right? So, do you need to get re-upped every single time to just prove that you know how to do a squat with somebody? I don't know. I don't think that's – especially for somebody who's been doing this for, like, 15 years. Like, it's getting kind of old, right? Um, so yeah, they're trying, but trying to, they're trying to fill them their, their pockets, you know? Yeah. You know, the governing bodies that be, but <laughs> like, um, you know, being a trainer is obviously teaching people how to exercise, but if you don't even know the fundamentals of any kind of business stuff, you're fucked. If you don't know how to talk to people, you're definitely screwed. So, you know, I like to say that I kind of gave them a model on how to like, run your business right because i had a familiarity with that because i worked for a large corporation so you know i don't want to say that career before i did was for not because it wasn't because it taught me a lot of essentially good business principles like the only reason i had a booked group of people is because when you know we met and then they didn't want to buy training i kept them in the loop with emailing and then eventually they were nurtured enough to be like okay i'm ready to go and then those were people for class for like five years but like you said First of all, people who guard their stuff, like, dude, you didn't invent pressing. You didn't invent this. You stand on the shoulders of giants, like, go, right? Um, you know, some of the most effective programs are like the Soviet era ones, you know, Pavel talks about that stuff. That's like 50 years old. Okay. People are still getting tremendous results and everyone knows what those patterns are now. Um, so why guard it? But um, yeah, just to get, I just think it's uh, important for people to understand that. If you want to be a good trainer, you got to learn some kind of marketing. You got to learn some kind of relationship skills because you can be a great trainer and you could turn and burn clients. And that's not the sign of a good trainer. Um, if you can keep clients. And on top of that, you can keep on teaching them stuff. Like I've had clients, I had clients for seven years, but guess what? They were always learning something because I always had something up my sleeve. I didn't stop my education with a NASM certification. And then I went to perform better one time. I, I met coaches. I went to seminars. I got speciality things. You know, I, I dove in deep in my own practice to be like, oh, and then you apply it to some people in your group. And you're like, okay, this is actually working. Like, you know, fitness is kind of like, unfortunately, sometimes it's the daytime job for people who work at night. So you're a personal trainer and you're a bartender and whatever, man, you got to make your money. That's cool. But there's a difference between people who take this stuff super seriously 
like and the ideas of like they're going to expand their knowledge or education and um you know they're going to give the best for their clients because you can go anywhere for a workout but getting like a personal training thing and they may be able to charge a premium for it you know you gotta if you're gonna be training your time for money you gotta make sure it's worth enough yeah i mean they can go like you said like it can go anywhere there's so many places there's so many box gyms there's so many group fitness classes what's going to differentiate you from somebody else, especially, you know, I could go to Planet Fitness, right? And I could pay $9 or I'm going to have to pay a you little bit. You can go on money. YouTube yeah. in your house. Yeah. You can go on YouTube in your house for free, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, are you going to learn stuff? I don't know. I know a lot of people that did like insanity and all that stuff and they jacked up their knees and their ankles and their backs. That was a big trend. Um, you know, I think... Uh, a good responsibility of people in our community is to kind of just spread the word of like, listen, and you're talking to a 20, 20 year old guy. I mean, I remember when I thought I was invincible. So, you know, you can't really talk to those people, but if you're talking to people who are you know grown adults and they have obligations and responsibilities, a lot of them are more willing to have that conversation. Of, I know I can't do what I used to do and I really don't want to do what I used to do. And my goals are totally different now than they were, you know, a couple of years ago. They're not so vanity based or more longevity based. And quite frankly, we're leaps and bounds ahead of the competition. So I feel like, you know, the more people who kind of are in our demographic change into these people who are looking for the solution, we're going to have the leg up because we've been practicing this for 10 years already. I remember I saw an article two years ago talking about the benefits of crawling. I'm like, dude, I've been crawling since 2010 and I know the benefits of it. And I know all my clients have known the benefits of it. And it's in a popular or uh, it was in USA Today or something like that. Somebody sent it to me. I'm like, oh, yo, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, there'd be workout like post monkey bar gym, I'd go to a, a gym or wherever. And I've popped around a few and some have been great. Um, but there would be like, okay, we're going to do bear crawls. And I'm looking, I'm around, I'm like, I'm going to absolutely crush this entire class because they, <laughs> they haven't crawled. They haven't crawled. No coordination. At all, yeah, yeah. The arms are not moving the right way. And I'm just, you know, I'm full, you know, flat back going up and down. I mean, I used to do it in wrestling too. So I had before monkey bar a little bit more experience, but I'm going back and they're like, holy shit. Like they could, they couldn't believe how much of that I can bear crawl. But yeah. monkey bar, we did all the time. I, I don't remember when we didn't crawl. We were doing all yeah, that. We did all the time. So we did crawling, 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 yeah, yeah. cartwheels, lots of jiu-jitsu stuff, lots of wrestling. I mean, a sit-through, which is one of my favorite exercises, is like when you're trying to escape, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I think that people are looking for that. But what they what they see on Instagram is, you know, Primal Soldier and, you know, these guys who are flipping kettlebells and that stuff. And that stuff's cool, of course. And that's – it took them a long fucking time in order to do that. But if you're a 45-year-old dentist who's 50-pound overweight, it's probably not the best entry point for you, right? You could probably get there, but you need super-duper simple. You know, fitness is a big part of our thing, but you know, mentality, mindset. I mean, if you're not in the right headspace, no amount of sit-ups are going to help your life, right? And they're not going to help. It's not going to improve your fitness. Like, you got to get your mind right. And my joke is always like, you know, sometimes I do feel like a clinical you know, therapist. 
because you're dealing with a lot of emotional stuff with people, you know, and to help them break through that stuff. So I think it's even more rewarding than them losing that, you know, 10 vanity pounds. Like they finally are able to show up for themselves and put themselves a priority and not feel guilty if they had, you know, an extra slice of pizza where they would beat themselves up for 10 days about it. And they're seeing results. It might be a little slower, but they're so much in a more mental positive place. The habits that F them up all those years, they're leaving and they're replacing with good habits. And, you know, it's been a while. You're like 40 some years old. You got a lot of habits that you need to get rid of. So hopefully in the next, you know, 25, 30 years, you're just replacing with really great habits. I think that's a big, I think that's a big win that people don't think. We think about the scale, we think about the weights you're pushing, but the idea to be able to break out of that mentality that I am an overweight person or I'll never be fit or whatever. That's not, you know, you have a bare belly. You're dealing with something else. And I think that just getting those positive wins reinforces that you, you can be the version of the person that you want to be. You just have to actually do it. And that's not fucking easy. Yeah, but you can do it. It's simple, but it's not easy. That's you know that big Dan John thing, and that that's like one of the most prolific things because that applies to everything. Yeah, I and we and there's the reverse too, which I've seen every now and again, not as common, but people that are so into working out and this is their life now because they want to be fit, and yet they're not in a good mind space. Like the yep. headspace is not good. You can't continuously just prioritize you like okay bodybuilders whatever you're doing that to be the into this yeah, competition it's a sport that's something else but when you're just like average joe and all you care about is working out and you're at the gym for hours a day and your life is you're struggling in life because of it that's an issue i would again like you said I, I don't care about the weight as much as like how are you feeling mentally at this point and how is your life going because that's ultimately yeah. the the big thing yeah we want to be healthy for a lifespan but Let's enjoy life too. We could be fit and enjoy life and not have this, um, you know, this uh, expectation of I have to look this certain way. And I think right. I, I, I try to get away. I, I, again, everybody's a little vain, right? I want to look good. I do. So that's one thing. However, I'm not stepping on the scale every day anymore. I'm not really checking my weight and making sure like, oh, did I, can I eat today? Can I, do I have to cut these? No, I eat. I try to, if I go off the bandwagon a little bit, have something, okay, it's not a big deal. Life will go on. I will train tomorrow. I will still eat good food, but enjoy, enjoy life. Yeah. And, yeah. There's no way, you know, like you, hey, I like to look good on the beach. I'm in Florida, man. You know, yeah. I want to look the part. I'm a fitness professional. I want to look the part. But there's no way in hell I'm going to say no to having my pizza with my kids on a Friday night. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm going to enjoy that experience without feeling guilty about it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think what happens is that, once again, we live in these extremes. It's like either you're doing something perfect or you're fucking going on binges like crazy. Like, you have to be able to find that middle because if you can stay in the middle for long enough, you're going to see the success. But you are, we live in this, you know, the society of instant gratification, you can literally have anything show up in the, your door in one day from your phone while you're sitting, you know, with your hand on your pants and your, whole night, your other hand on your phone. You can have anything show up. And then you expect that with fitness. And it's obviously not the case. So trying to break out of that mindset and just like you said, 
uh, trying to work out too much. You know, good, be healthy, be fit. But if you're not, you, you're, you're replacing drinking with working out, right? Exactly. You're using it as a compensation method. And it's not healthy either way. Um, because if you want to get through this life, you're going to have to have some kind of level head. And if you want to have successful fitness, you're going to have to have some kind of level head. And nobody wants to be around that person all the time. That's, well, I'm going to die. I could just come working out. You stop getting invited places. Nobody wants to hang out with you when it's a deal all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, talk about, kind of about your coaching. So you moved to Jacksonville. You're doing some um, group classes at, is it Titan, Titan up, Titan up fitness, yeah. Titan, yes. Titan up, <laughs> Titan, Titan, like, Titan, the Titan like the, like a Titan, not like Titan. Right. Um, right. <laughs> just so I'll put in the show notes. Don't worry people. Not the same, but, um, you also have, uh, kettlebell kickstart. And I really want to talk about this too, that this Facebook group, it's, um, for uh strong and healthy parents, Facebook group. So these are your yeah. new ventures. So, Kettlebell Kickstart is for who and who's this um, Facebook group for? So Kettlebell Kickstart is was kind of raised on the lessons that I actually learned during COVID. Um, so like I mentioned, I had uh, that group class called Faction at uh, the club. It had 110 members at its peak right before lockdowns in Illinois, which went on for four months, right? So um, going on to Zoom and having six classes a week, and also my full-time roster online um, switch over. Um, I was, I know people who are playing video games all day. I was working from six in the morning to six at night and Zoom doing training and group classes. Um, but like a lot of things in retrospect, I thought everything would go back to normal. Well, things never really went back to normal, right? There's all the restrictions and people didn't come back and all that stuff. So it affected my business for sure. But I was thinking to myself, what did I learn in those lessons? When COVID came and everyone went to lockdown, it was the great kettlebell scarce of you know 2020. There was no fitness equipment. But now some of the people who have been training pretty regularly had some kettlebells and some people were able to snatch some stuff up. Um, so... We did simple stuff because people didn't have a ton of equipment. We did get ups, we did goblet squats, we did swings, we did push ups, we did rows, you know, we did some body weight stuff. And guess what? These guys became so good because I used barbells and a couple other like novelty items in the class, but they became so good at all those skills that when they came back, they didn't even skip a beat. So let's say they were doing a shit ton of swings. When they came back, they haven't touched a barbell in four months. They were still essentially barbelling what they were before. The amount of push-ups they were doing carried over. We did floor pesters with kettlebells, things like that too. So I'm like, okay. So I am a minimalist by nature, but being a minimalist by nature sometimes doesn't attract everyone to come train with you because you're like, okay, I've done this a lot. I need something different. And I'm like, well, you don't need anything different. I want something different. And then like I said, different is I'm going to teach you from a swing to a clean. Oh, it's brand new. No, it's not. It's not really that new. It's just a little tweak, right? But anyways, they come back and they're stronger than ever. I was like, haha, something's here. Um, but unfortunately, everything didn't really go back to normal. I wasn't able to. It took me a year to rebuild my business and other stuff happened like that too. 
I'm like, I, this is not sustainable. I'm busting my ass and everything's kind of being knocked out from underneath me from helping me really build my business. So we made the decision I was going to move to Florida. We were going to move to Florida. Um, and I came down here with a job actually working for a gym as a manager of two locations, like a personal training and sales manager. That lasted for about a month. <laughs> I actually really, the owner was, he was an amazing guy. The guy was super cool, but it wasn't my scene. And quite frankly, like I was like, yeah, I could, not that I paid my dues, like, so I'm above this place, but like, it just wasn't the environment I wanted to be in. It was definitely super bro right? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not anti-bro, but like, my principles are not sexy to those people, right? Which is not the culture that I was essentially cultivating at that club. Um, so I learned a lot of lessons. I took those lessons, and when I quit that job, I was kind of like, what the hell am I going to do? My friend and my former business partner, Vanessa Flores, uh, who was also a coach at Monkey Bar, she just randomly called me. She's like, I want to talk to you. Like, what are you doing down there? I'm like, fine. Did you call me? Because I'm thinking about going online. And I had no, I have no clue what I'm doing. So, so we talked it over. Like, who do we want to serve? And we want to serve us. I don't want to say that I, I'm like a master, but like I've cracked the code. I've learned over the last almost 15 years how to maintain pretty high levels of strength conditioning body composition in a very minimal way that i know how to teach people who are in the same predicaments that i am maybe they're 20 pounds overweight but they've got two young kids they're carting them around to practice and events in school they're working they're managing a household they have a lot of obstacles in order for them to reach their goals and the methods that they've used before are not what are going to work now. And they don't feel like really doing those anyways. They never really enjoy them anyways. So what we offer is a roadmap for that. We offer a simple but not easy plan to follow. That's home-based kettlebell training. It's about 20 to 30-minute sessions. And then we focus a lot on habit building and, of course, mindset. That's awesome. And I, I like, I don't have any kids now and I'm busy as it is. I don't know how parents do it. <laughs> like I'm at I'm running a business too. <laughs> yeah. And running a business and all those, all those things. And is the, is the Facebook group open to anybody? Is that Facebook group for yes. healthy parent that's open to anybody? Yeah, it's a, it's a private group, but you can ask for admission into the group and essentially we just drop value in there we're trying to get people to get excited about what does it mean to be a fit parent so by definition if you're fit you're pretty efficient right once again we're talking about the idea of longevity and being able to we talked about being able to join experiences with food what if i'm so overweight at you know 47 years old that i don't want to go in the pool because i'm super embarrassed so can I throw my kids in the pool now? You know, can they, can I chase them like a shark? No, I'm missing out on that because I'm embarrassed of the way I look. Or maybe I'm, uh, maybe I have a lot of back pain. So I can't, you know, go for walks while they ride their bike next to me. You're missing out on those experiences. And what you'll learn, you know, God willing that you become a parent, or if you want to become a parent, you can't replace those things. That's when the funny joke comes out that's when you know you're walking and 
it's on such just right and all that stuff. You know, those are the moments that life are really made up. It's not your job. It's not much money you make. It's those little moments that you're going to remember and they're going to remember. And if you can't participate in those, what are you doing? It doesn't, make, it doesn't matter if you make $2 million a year. And I know people who make more than that. If you can't have those, if you can't have those moments, what's, what's the point in my, in my estimation? You know, I, I can only speak to what's important to me and the people who tell me what's important to them. Um, but being able to share in those moments is what I want to be advocating for parents. You don't need to be the version of yourself that you don't want to be. You're not confined. It doesn't matter how old you are. You just need to start making changes. The mistake that most people do is they try to make huge, profound change immediately because they don't want to do the investment of the time. They want the quick fix. And if you can get somebody to understand that, listen, Quick is all relative. Like, I cannot believe it's freaking September. You know, it's like unbelievable how fast this year is flying by. Like, we're ready, like, you're ready to go in a store and you see Christmas shit. So, like, it's not going to take you that long to start seeing changes and probably even profound changes. So, we offer a 16 week program. We call it the Kickstart. Because, why? Because we teach you the skeleton of effective workouts, how to navigate nutrition in a very practical, intuitive way. Um, and then also increasing overall healthy habits. That And all that together seems like it takes a lot of time. But most of the time, you're only spending about an hour and a half a day improving your fitness. And this might be a um, antagonistic or controversial claim. But if you do not have an hour and a half to eat, prepare food, move a little bit, lift some weights, and maybe take 10 minutes to kind of just sit there and be with your breathing or meditation or prayer. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't think you're serious about change. And maybe you can't do an hour and a half and you really want to, but you know you can't. Can you do 30 minutes? I can't do 30 minutes. You're not serious. You spend more time scrolling every single day than to more than 30 minutes. And that's a level of commitment. And, you know, some people might be like, we should be able to help anyone. I am, I am willing to help you. I'm going to show up all the time. You've been canceled on as a personal trainer, correct? I'm saying it one more time. You've been canceled on, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Right. You know, it happens, but then there's the person that happens all the time. And I'll be like, I always say like, listen, what is the expectation? Because I'm, I'm going to show up. I'm going to give 100% every single time. I'm going to give 100%. And I'm going to expect the same out of you. And you're only giving me 50%. So where does, what's going on here? I think that having those frank conversations with people kind of snaps people out of it. We have to be honest with this ourselves. If you're not willing to commit to at least 30 minutes of something, something, maybe you just work on food prep. Maybe that means that you go for half an hour walk. Maybe that means you swing some kettlebells in your bedroom. But give me 30 minutes. Give me something. Doesn't need to be everything. Give me something. Because if you can do that for a month, you can add an extra 15 minutes the next month. And now you're doing some more. And maybe it takes you a while to build to an hour and a half a day, but now you did. Yeah. And now all that struggle that you felt initially, that's all gone. You know, we just recently brought into a new a recruitment of people. I was making some social media and I was going through some old videos of people who have gone through our system. I had videos of people doing get up swift shoes, you know, and now they're doing 44 kilos in 16 weeks. 
That's that's no joke. Forty four kilos. That's no joke. That's for no joke. For a hundred and thirty five pound woman. You know, these are the lessons I learned in COVID: how to expedite the process a little bit, because we had limited tools. Our program is a minimalist program because it's designed to make sure that you show up. Consistency is everything. We teach you how to be consistent with the workouts. We teach you how to be consistent with your nutrition. Uh, we teach you how to be consistent with healthy habits. Not adding things to your super busy schedule already, but learning how to implement healthy habits throughout your daily routine that's not overwhelming uh, and that you can build on to whatever level you want. So if you want to start making it, you know, you're committing three hours, then now you're really winning, right? Yeah, I, I love that it, and, and I would rather take somebody that's going to be giving me 30 minutes a day versus the people that go every once in a while for two hours. Like if you're going right. to do a two hour workout once a week, that person that's doing 15 to 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever is going to out discipline you and outwork you. Yeah. And that goes back to the fact if you're, if you're working out for two hours and you're really working out, you're going to, you're going to be beat up and you're not going to train as much. And then like Life is going to happen. Your kid's going to get sick. You're going to get sick. You're going to have to travel for work. You're going to have just a shit show of a weekend where you get nothing done and now you're backlogged. You know, you got to do laundry, you got to go grocery shopping, you got to do everything. And if you had to allot two hours, uh, you know, in four days, you're talking about four hours, like where the hell are you going to get that time? But if you can swing some kettlebells in your living room or your bedroom, I am a professional trainer for 13 years. I have all the access. Tighten Up is a really cool club. They focus on traditional strength training. I have access to some toys that I don't have in my home gym. But 90% of my workouts are at home with a couple kettlebells, a couple heavy clubs. I use parallettes for body weight work and pushing work. And I get an effective workout every single time, you know, in the privacy of my own home. Um, and that's how I basically maintain my fitness. And that's what we're trying to coach people. You don't need all the bells and whistles. You don't need all that stuff because that's just a distraction. It's essentially the problem of having too many options. Yeah, that's, you know? a good point. that's a good point. If I have too many options, it's just as confusing if I don't know what I'm doing with one tool. So why don't I just master one thing? You know, Bruce Lee had a saying is, I don't fear the man who knows 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. And if you think about that, that makes a shit ton of sense. Because he's going to land that kick no matter what. And he's going to know exactly how much to deliver. And he's going to know exactly where to kick you up to put you down. If you kind of reverse engineer that, if you can focus on a handful of things that have big bang for your buck ROI, like get-ups, swings, squatting, push-ups, calisthenics, um, you know, core work, conditioning, which you can get with what? four to five kettlebells in your house. When you're a pro, you only need three when you start. I mean, you're winning on a lot of fronts. And I think probably one of the best things that I used to work out at gyms, I work out at my home and my kids see me doing it, you know, mm -hmm. and that's just precedent. Well, mommy and daddy exercise, right? You know, we're very conscious about food. Another thing that monkey bar taught me a lot about was just, where does your food come from? I was plant-based for four years, 100% plant-based. So I did go from one extreme to a hardcore other extreme. I'm living in the middle right now. And that's that's the journey. Um, but we know we make them aware. Why do we eat certain foods? Why do we not eat certain foods? And there's no guilt or shame about it. It's just education. You know? Yeah. And if you can set the example, you know, a lot of people did not have 
fit parents or fit people in their life as examples. You know, my parents are boomers. That was a culture of everyone smoked cigarettes. You know, guys drink whiskey and red meat hardcore. And I love red meat, of course, but like, you know, the trope, you know what I mean? Um, so they never went to the gym. My mom went to an aerobics class, you know, back in the eighties. But I think that a generation now, uh, of older millennials like myself, like we have to take it by the reins and start setting good examples. Because if you look at the condition of the country, we are definitely not setting a good example in terms of, of health. Yeah. Adults right now, just adults we're talking about it. They have trouble navigating food. Yeah. They have adults now imagine a kid just yeah. growing up you know i'm a teacher a by, by the day yeah that's all i see how the kids eat they don't know where their food comes from or yeah. what real food is and my big thing is just like yeah. it doesn't matter i'm more of a carnivore person that's the way i, I mean i'm all about the red meat uh but at, it doesn't matter to me it's just as long as everybody's going to do what they want to do or they feel how they feel good whatever makes you feel good but let's get on the same page of it needs to be real food. The stuff yeah. out of the box, um, this quick fix stuff. It, the these kids need to learn, and adults have to learn how to navigate. And it, it's honestly, it's not even their fault. It, they're they're it's, it's the everything is stacked up. Yeah, everything's stacked up against them. You know, corporations are stacked up against them. Advertisements. It's it's a tough, tough thing. But you said it like. You ha we have to educate. We have to educate ourselves, and we got to educate our children as well. Yeah, one of the biggest, uh, coolest things I've ever done was during my time as a personal training coach as well. Shale and I used to work for the only organic mushroom farm in the Midwest, and we worked I with them. I remember this. Four, yeah, for yeah. four seasons. Um, and being in a farmers market community is it's as cool as you think it probably is. You're talking about regenerative farming. You're talking about. Um, more humane practices. You're talking about organic practices you, where the cycle is not broken. Like they're composting, they're, there's minimal, you know, chemicals. They're using the manure over here to do this. And then they use the ducks that come over and pick up this stuff. And then when they poop, they drop the fertilizer too. It's like, holy moly. And to know where your food comes from. And that's that was probably the biggest lesson I took away from there is being in that environment. I mean, Everyone needs to do what they need to do in order to be healthy. And that some people have more means. So you can shop at Whole Foods or, you know, or Erewhon or whatever. Or, I mean, quite frankly, I think all these one of the best organic stores ever. If you know how to shop it really nicely, you can find some great stuff there. But like, I'm not saying that you have to eat organic. But like you said, there should be definitely a big more focus on just whole food eating and some baseline knowledge. And like you said, unfortunately... You know, there's not a lot of money in trying to get people to eat foods that are not hyper addictive. And then by nature, they don't nurture you. So you eat more of it, which means you have to go buy more. And that's one of, I mean, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I love the framework that you put with the Kettlebell Kickstarter and this Facebook group, because none of the framework was about, or the end goal was about looking good and getting shredded. It was about, I want to spend time with my kids. I want to be in those moments that are like the priceless money could never buy me this. My discipline and my lifestyle could. And I think yes. that's the, that's the framework 
that everybody should be going for. Uh, and I think that's, that's fantastic. I think more people have to really have that goal in mind when they have programs, when they have Facebook groups versus how do I lose 10 pounds in three hours, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, I think that there's definitely a transition that you go through when you, you become a parent. Mm-hmm. And then when you're a parent, you do tend to put yourself second or third. Maybe you're taking care of your spouse more too. Um, but you can't do that forever. You know, the analogy I always use is the oxygen mask. Put on your oxygen mask before you help the one next to you. Um, and you have to take care of yourself first. You have to, as a, as a spouse, um, as a parent, you have, to, you have to make a lot of sacrifices. But you can't keep on putting yourself up on the altar because eventually there's not going to be any of you left. And then what happens when you're not around or you're not able to do the job that everyone needs you to do, you know? And if you speak to your loved ones and the people who care about you, they want the same thing for you. You know, you gotta get out of that spiral of guilt. Like you can, I will be judged as not as good if I take care of myself. Unfortunately, some people might be in that situation, but the majority of people are surrounded by people like, no, we want the best for you too. You need to do what you need to do. Um, Let's get you some help. And on that, Sam, how do you stay fit and healthy? What is the regimen for Sam for the typical week? What 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 yeah. what is your kind of routine that you usually go through kind of, you know, on an average week? Yeah, so I mean, you know, my life has changed a lot. I mean, I was on my feet for 12 to 13 hours a day. So I never worried about steps. Um, I had a dog too. Unfortunately, she passed away in the beginning of the year. So I was always getting a lot of steps. Now I'm doing essentially social media marketing for the majority of my day. So I'm definitely sitting down more. Um, so I definitely watched my calories. So I don't eat a specific kind of diet. I basically only focus on trying to hit protein goals every single day. Um, I enjoy pretty much, I, I, I'm not an idea of a food snob in regards to like, I need fancy recipes. I eat ground beef patties, I eat turkey patties, I eat best just chicken, I eat shrimp. But then I have like, a whole bunch of blueberries, you know, and then maybe for breakfast, I'll have like a few eggs and two bananas, like super simple eating. Um, Because to me, it's not efficient for me to try to make a meal. I just need calories and I need nutrients, but I want to enjoy the food. So I enjoy all my food. Like I can have Greek yogurt, blueberries and honey every day of my life, two times a day and not care and still be like, oh, this is so good. And I can have scrambled eggs and I can have ground beef patties all the time and not care because it's good. And I think that's, you know, I don't have any scientific proof of this, but I do know that even my kids too, um, when I have something that's hyper-processed, I'm like, this tastes fake. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe it's a placebo effect or something. I don't know. But when I have stuff like that, like eh. I don't want to eat it, right? And I think I train my brain to just like search nutrients. So I eat very simple. So like eggs or yogurt, some kind of protein with some vegetables, not a ton usually. I actually, I kind of, I don't do carnivore, but I like the idea of eating more fruit because I just enjoy fruit more. I just really enjoy fruit over vegetables. Um, And I've eaten enough vegetables in my life as a full-time plant-based eater well, I was raw for one year. So I only essentially had like smoothies and salads. Wow. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to have vegetables. But for training, I mean, 
I keep it simple. I do get ups, I do swings, I do push ups. I do, I use alternative tools like maces and um, clubs because they allow me to work in different dimensions and it's essentially my mobility. So I, they really focus on joint articulation and kind of opening up your joints and, you know, some ideas with fascial lines and things like that. That's some of that more, it's a little bit, it's definitely more unconventional training. That's along the, uh, the school of training uh, called TechFit, which I spent many years in as a coach as well. One of my favorite systems, it's a little harder to coach to gen population though. You have to have somebody who's very invested in it, but um, just 20 minutes next to my bed and I got a whole pack of, you know, stack of mats. So my room is not really like, you know, a sanctuary. It's kind of like our gym where we like, we go in there or we allow the door to be open so they can see us while we work out. And um, I bust out workouts for 20 to 30 minutes. And that's about it. I train about six to seven times a week. And what I've got, what I've learned is how to give what I got that day. So I have stuff that I, I work a lot of skill training. So a lot of my workouts are not even like exactly the same because I'm not chasing gains, like in terms of loads or anything like that. I'm just focusing on movements because it makes me feel good and it energizes me and it keeps me in shape. Um, so I'll pick a handful of skills, I'll set a certain protocol. I do all my workouts timed and I know just how much to hit the gas to challenge myself, but not deplete myself. And then every so often when I'm firing on all cylinders, the kids didn't wake me up all night. I got some good sleep. I'm hydrated. I'll get into my work. I'm like, okay, I'm going to hit the gas today, but then I'll retreat, you know, and I'll cruise, you know, at 60 miles an hour for a good part of my training cycle. So I do a lot of essentially, you know, my RPE is about like a six to an eight. And then sometimes I keep it at a high eight to nine. And that's how I say in the game, I'm injury free. I'm not strained. I have great mobility. I can move in multiple dimensions. I can go play soccer with my kids without warning, you know, pulling my hamstrings. Like it's a, it's a good way just to focus on me time where I usually put on a podcast or some, some music and I get in the zone and I leave energized versus. And that takes a while to learn how to do that because once, once again, we're nothing like I'm going to go super fucking hard. You're not going to be able to keep that up for everybody. Can't do that even like five days in a row. And if you say you can, you're either on PEDs or you're lying. <laughs> so, um, you know, especially at my age. So, just kind of like focusing on the idea of I'm refining skills and things that I like doing and I swing some heavy ass shit and it's fun. Um, and I'm doing it from my home and that's what keeps me motivated. It's like, well, let me rephrase that. Quite frankly, I haven't been motivated to work out in many years, but if I do not work out, I don't feel myself. So it's, if I didn't shower, if I didn't eat, if I didn't brush my teeth, I, something's off. I've, and that keeps me showing up, right? Yeah, you uh, you said something, and I don't want to say it wrong. You said I, I'm going to give what I got that day. Is that what you said? I'm going to give, yeah, I'm going to give the best that I can give, in that day, you know. Yeah. I think that you're a wrestler. I was a wrestler too, right? Mm -hmm. And I went to martial arts tournaments. You go to tournaments and stuff like that, right? When you hit a certain level, and I was a mediocre wrestler um but 
when you're like in your division or whatever, you see the same guy sometimes, right? And I had this three-year rivalry with this guy from St. Joe's, Kaminsky. Yeah, and we wrestled each other. You still remember his name. I remember his name. <laughs> I wrestled the guy like freaking 14 times over three years. And I got the best on him. I won like by two matches maybe. But what does that mean? I took that lesson and I went to martial arts tournaments a lot in Taekwondo tournaments. You'd see people there a lot and you'd that'd be kind of like your rivalry or whatever, you know, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And sometimes these guys just blow you out of the fucking water. But the idea that I learned from that is essentially, do you have what it takes? And then on top of that, do you have what it takes that day? Right? Because you can be that version of that person, but maybe not in that exact moment. And that's if you win the match against somebody, right? If it's always by the razor thin, do you have as much as it takes to do it that day? And I've taken that principle and I've said, what do I have today? Am I feeling under the weather and super duper tired, but I'm still here? Yes. So I'm going to give myself 60% total effort. Because I'm not going to not show up. Because I'll probably feel more shitty if I don't. So I'm going to give 60% effort today. But now it's like Thursday. I got a full eight hours. You know, my kids are gonna come in my bed and kick me all night. I feel healthy. I'm hydrated. I've been really good with my nutrition. I've been getting some good steps in. I feel energized from the sun. I start warming up. Ooh, I'm feeling good. All right, I'm gonna go all in today. And then I'm tired and I need time to recover. So then I dial down again. So I'm doing this periodization, this waving kind of thing. Um, that takes time. That takes time to learn, but you're not going to learn how to do that unless you're super duper consistent. So if you can train, you know, people, if you train six days a week, yeah, but I'm not trying to set PRs every fucking day. That's the big mistake. I know how much to give. I know how much to give press the gas. And like I said, I want to be energized for my workouts. I don't want to be super duper tired because guess what? I still have to be a dad. I still have to be a husband. I still have other errands and I have to help with homework and I have to help with dinner and I have to do the things that every parent has to do. So if I'm like, oh my God, I can't fucking breathe. Oh, my legs. I can't walk. I'm like, who, who are you being an asset to now? You know, you can't move because you're super sore and now you blow out your back and now you're not going to go work out. And then what are you going to say? Jim, you should work out. Well, if I squat, I hurt my back. Hmm. Is that really why? You know, is that really why? If you spider hurt your back, or did you do something stupid? Maybe off of your ego on top of that, and that messed you up. Instead of taking a practical approach, where you can give what you can give that day and be the best version of yourself, you can do that day. So to keep on showing up and get the results that you really want, or that you're telling yourself you really want. Yeah, it's with food too. You know, you feel guilty when you don't work out. You'd feel guilty when you cheat on your meal. But like you're saying, like sometimes you just got to give the best. Like if I'm working out and the weight ain't moving, I'm feeling a little hurt. I'm, fe- You know what? Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk. You yeah. talk to me, you're talking about 22 year olds, a 22 year old Tony. I'm like, no, we're going to, we're going to push through this. We're going to get this weight up. If it ain't moving for me now, you know what? I'm going to work on mobility or go lighter and just practice the reps. And you know, my, my default is that if I've, don't feel like doing anything in that day, or I really don't feel like getting that workout. I'll do some swings and get ups and I'll yeah. start, I'll start light 
like a 20, 24 with some get-ups. And then magically I feel great. And then I just want to do heavy get-ups and heavy swings. And I walk yeah. away 25, 30 minutes later. It's like, oh man, I feel good. I accomplished yeah. something and I didn't even want to work out. But taking your foot off the gas, yeah, like you said, pushing the gas a little bit, but taking your foot off and knowing, okay, I need to take a break from this. This, this is not what I can give today. I'm only going to give this much. Uh, that's, that's intuitive. That's intuitive training. Right. That's, that's going to keep you injury free, uh, for people to connect with you and, uh, your Facebook group and kettlebell kickstart, where, where can they find you? Yes, we do most of our stuff on Instagram. So we're at kettlebell kickstart on Instagram. My personal page is Sammy J Gonzalez. It's mostly just pictures of my family and stuff like that. But on the kettlebell kickstart Instagram, we focus a lot on bringing value to you. So giving you sample workouts, teaching you some stuff about food preparation. You know, we don't just pull what we do out of a hat. We listen to the interviews that we have with hundreds of people. We listen to our clients. Um, we listen to the surveys of what people are getting out of our, um, our experience with us. And then also what they would kind of like to see. So all that content is derived for you to extract value from. So, and then you'll find some funny shit on there too, just, if you're going to be doing a social media post all day, you have to have some fun with it. Um, and then you can find us as Strong and Healthy Parents on our Facebook group on Facebook. I saw the the one of you dancing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the dancing one. That was pretty fun. Yeah, they're like actually boy wine. Yeah, you got to have some fun with it. You know, got to get the views up somehow. <laughs> you got to do <laughs> Now you got to now you got to put some in sync in there. They're going to come back together. I saw. I saw. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Uh, I ain't going to lie. I knew how to do. Uh, you know, a couple of those choreographed dances. That was me back in the day. There you go. Some, <laughs> some bye, bye, bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Sam, thank you for taking the time. Uh, and yeah, this was great knowledge. Time. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you everybody for listening to the Primal Foundations podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you all for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. See you all next time on the Primal Foundations podcast.